Yet, wherever you are on your journey, there's another wonderful truth called living the fruit or starting with the result. Living with the fruit or starting with the result. So living with the fruit, what, is, what would be the fruit of your spiritual practice would be depending, of course. Maybe, you will, maybe what you are looking for in your meditation practice is more relaxation and peace. It's a quite modest goal, but maybe that's what, what, what you believe meditation can offer you. So that would be the fruit, that would be the result. Some more peace and some more relaxation. So there is this, uh, this approach called living the fruit. So living the fruit means you discover what you are longing for in this moment. You pay to you, you you pay attention to that within this moment, which is already in peace. You 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 bring your you bring your awareness to that in this moment, which is already relaxed. You you pay attention to that in this moment, to that dimension within your within your body, within your mind, within your heart which is already in peace. And of course, there is aspects of your experience just now where there is peace, where, where there is well-being. Now there's parts of your body, for example, just now who feel tense and nervous, and that's where your mind goes. And then if you would, if someone would ask you, oh, how are you doing? Then you would say, wow, I'm really nervous. I feel, I feel really tense and I can feel it here in my solar plexus and in my stomach. And then I would ask you, yeah, okay, so how is your feet? And then you go down to your feet and you feel, oh, they are quite happy. They feel alive. There is a sense of groundedness there. And, and then I could ask you, okay, breathe into that. Bring that into the foreground. And you would do that. And initially, that tense feeling in your stomach or in your solar plexus might not change. Yeah? But you will start to feel different because you pay attention to something where there's well-being, where there's relaxation. So that is uh, living the fruit or starting with the result. Starting with the result. So what's the result? Is feeling more relaxed and at peace. That's the result. And we start there. 
So we don't start by trying to calm down the belly and the solar plexus, trying to fix and control it. We start by looking for what we are longing for in the present moment. Where can I experience that? Where is that? And according to the meditative uh, traditions, that kind of place, that kind of experience is available to us no matter what. No matter how much turmoil is within your experience, no matter how much pain is in your experience, no matter how contracted you are, there is also peace happening. There is also stillness. And more you do that in meditation practice, and more you experience that, more easy it will will be for you to, to, to shift, to shift there. So your, your, your mind starts to develop a homing instinct, like a, a homing instinct, like, like the birds who have this instinct of uh, knowing where to fly, fly back home. They know that. That's the homing instinct. So your mind will develop this kind of homing instinct. So, and more and more you do that, slowly, that kind of spacious stillness, that kind of loving awareness which you discover, there will be more and more a feeling that you are not losing it, even in the midst of turmoil. So there is turmoil, but there is also this sense of loving presence, this this stillness. So there is another wonderful truth called living the fruit or starting with the result. The fruits of well-being and the experience of joy, freedom and love are available now, whatever, whatever your circumstance. Whatever your circumstance. So probably you also have this kind, more or less often, this kind of experience, particularly in the night or in the morning, in the night when you wake up, and all the worries float in. You know, all this, all this, all this stuff in your life which is not working out. You know, all this, uh, you know, whatever it is, uh, it's different things, but uh, it's always there in our life. Stuff, which, stuff we can worry about, stuff we think, stu- stuff we are ashamed of, stuff we wish wouldn't happen. Uh, so so you, you, you wake up in the night and there it is. Yeah. You beat yourself or um, you get anxious, you get afraid. So... In the midst of that experience, and of course this is something you, you, you need to be really interested in, to cultivate that capacity to recognize peace. In the mid- midst of that experience, you can shift 
into that which is already in peace. I promise you. And probably you know that experience also. I mean, it's not that, that it is unknown to you. That you can kind of shift from being imprisoned, feeling trapped, into suddenly, without anything changing in your life, you suddenly feel, oh, there's more. Actually, I guess this happens almost every day. No? That you kind of shift a bit. No. A, a common experience is that you feel rotten about your life in the morning. Yeah, It's not for everyone like this, but for many people. You feel rotten about your life in the night and in the morning. Sometimes horrible sufferings in the morning. I mean, many, many people, they wake up in a horrible life in the morning. You do, you're absolutely not alone with that. And, and of course, it's, I mean, I'm sorry that we, we have to experience that. And with us, many, many people. And it's not only that we wake up in the morning and we feel horrible because our life is a catastrophe, but we live in these horrible times where we are flooded by the, by the, by the anxiety we, we share as a culture. That's also part of your experience in the morning. Mm. It's actually not just your life, your little life. It's the whole situation. So, and then, but what, what happens quite often then, you know, if you kind of got used to it, like, okay, this is, this is how it is. In the morning I feel, I feel rotten. That then if you start your day and you get moved and maybe you have some yoga practice or you do some meditation practice or so and then you have your coffee coffee helps very very much mm -hmm. <laughs> somehow kind of kind, kind of can lift you out of the mist yeah of the of the mist of those rotten ways of thinking and and moving the body is is also good and and then of course, like if you have a spiritual practice, you call upon a teacher or the Buddha or Jesus, uh, so, so different ways. And then throughout the day, you slowly kind of, you, you wake up. It's like an awakening. You know? It's like an awakening from believing all these uh, rotten thoughts uh, and suddenly you feel, yeah, there's, there's more space, there's freedom and you start to see, oh, there's also other things. There's nice things. I have friends. There's kindness. I have the teachings. I can I can actually work with this situation. And so and that is awakening. Yeah. So it's like like this. And then and then you it's like waking up from a nightmare. Yeah? So you, you wake up and you stick you stick your head out of the mist of yeah. Sometimes, of course, in periods, uh, it's very difficult to get out of that mist. Yeah. And of course, it's, it's so hard then when you already know in the night, in the night when you go to bed, that you're, that you're going to wake up in that prison and there's nothing you can do about it. And it's maybe going on for 10 years. 
it's that's really hard but this kind of example shows that what we are talking about here the awakening or that peace and silence and stillness is available that this is actually something you already experience or you have experienced so and then if you know that and if you if you trust that then even in periods where you can't stick your head out of that mist you know okay that's how it is just now but it's going to pass so in our meditation i i i pointed to the stillness i po- i pointed to the space i pointed to that which knows i pointed to that which knows so what i mean with that this is the this is really the this is really the point so if you are now sitting here and you think for well, what is he talking about that which knows uh, just just keep open yeah? because this is this is our only hope to to uh, to have a taste to have a sense of what i'm pointing to with that short sentence to recognize that which knows and this is not only buddhism this is this is this is like the mystic mm, experience the experience of that which knows and Tara, Tara Brach and also Jack Cornfield in her, in these two books they they these two books are about pointing to that which knows and recognizing that which knows shifting from the clouds to the sky so when we are when we are imprisoned in the morning with our thoughts and feelings we are imprisoned by the clouds we are imprisoned by the content of our experience and we take it serious and we believe the clouds and we we we, we lose the sense that there's more yeah so that's the sense of imprisonment in the morning and then if it's possible for us in the midst of that experience to shift our press our sense to that which knows there will be space there will be more space there will be more peace so Jack Cornfield writes, your spacious mind 
is the natural awareness that knows and accommodates everything. My meditation teacher in the forest of Thailand, Ajahn Shah, calls it the one who knows. The one who knows. So actually, if you would look for the common, like for the common essence within all the Buddhist traditions, not only the Buddhist traditions actually, but let's stay with the Buddhist tradition, no, no, the different lineages and the different streams within Buddhism, sometimes they seem to be so different. I mean like completely different paths, completely different practices. So if you would look for the common like for the common essence of the Buddhist tradition, then you would come up with this, yeah? what Ajahn Shah calls the one who knows. In the Tibetan tradition called awareness. Pure awareness. He said, this is the original nature of mind, the silent witness, spacious consciousness. His instructions were simple. Become witness to it all. The one who knows. The one who knows. So this is what, the, what that's the main, the main sharing, the main exploration within the Buddhist tradition. What Ajahn Shah calls the one who knows. What does he mean with that? And, and this is something... This is something you have to discover in your own experience. The problem or the challenge with that with that is that it's a different kind of experience than anything else. It's not something your intellectual, conceptual mind can grasp. And of course, that's what we are trying to do when we listen to a talk like this. We try to understand what is being said. And uh, the conceptual mind can't understand it. So it's a, uh, this kind of sentences, this kind of teachings, it's good to listen to them as if you're listening to a poem 
or listening to a piece of music, like a, a poem. So when, when you listen to a poem and you read a poem, you can approach a poem with a conceptual level. Oh, what does it mean? How, what does? But uh, what a poem also is, it's an it's a it's an expression of the artist trying to share an experience and using images and metaphors and analogies. So in the same way, these teachings pointing to the one who knows. They are like poems, sharing an experience. Okay, so I would like to say something about these four these four aspects of this uh, recognition of the one who knows. And then we have a break and then uh, I will lead a meditation following these outlines. So the first is uh, settling body and mind. And uh, in our meditation I invited you to do just that and you will find your own way to, to, to settle, yeah? to uh, reconnect with your body, reconnect with your breath, or find a posture which uh, supports you in this uh, recognition, which could be sitting, which could be lying down, which could be walking, so you don't need necessarily to sit still, if that is not helpful for you, so you can also uh, to uh, a walk in nature. Yeah. So allowing the body and mind to settle. Find your own style in that. Uh, quite often in the Buddhist tradition the breath is recommended, but it's not necessarily the best way for some of us particularly if the breath is connected with you know, a sense of restlessness or you, know, you are too much of a control freak or too much uh, of wanting to do it good. And uh, so then settling with the breath becomes rather the opposite. It becomes more a sense of failing and you know, frustrating. And so then, then, then you need to find a... a a different way to settle. So then the second is recognizing awareness. <coughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I 
are you are you able to get a sense of the space in which thoughts come and go are you able to recognize the stillness in which the sound of the watch comes and goes and and, and this is the recognition of that stillness space that is probably something which is only possible when we have some kind of uh, sitting practice, meditation practice, at least initially. So, uh, Jack Cornfield uses some description of that awareness. And he says, it's spacious, open, transparent, silent, vast, and responsive like a mirror. It's like a mirror. So whatever thoughts arises, whatever sound arises, whatever feeling arises, there's a there's that mirror in which the thought can arise, the sound can arise, the feeling can arise. And so what we are now becoming interested is not that which is reflected in the mirror, but the mirror itself, the mirror which remains undisturbed by whatever, whatever face is showing up in the, mirror, in the mirror. So the faces, the different faces, they come and go, but there is that mirror. And usually we are not interested, we don't look into the mirror. We are not interested in the mirror. We are looking, we are interested in the reflection in the mirror. But now we become interested in the mirror. So what can we say about the mirror? Again, it's spacious, open. Open means that you can't find the boundaries. Yeah? So you can't find the boundaries in that mirror. We will look into that in our meditation. It's boundaryless. It's timeless. So there is a sense of um, there is a sense of timelessness. There is a sense of
there is a sense of that there is a dimension within you which is not growing old. There is a dimension in you which has been there, is there just now and will be there. Like, uh, no, your body definitely is older than 20 years ago. You have different, different feelings, you have different thoughts, you have different worries. But there is something which has not changed. It's a deep feeling of, I am, I am here, I am present. which has nothing to do with your roles, with your gender, with your worries, with, with anything. When you, when you woke up this morning and you opened your eyes, that presence, that timeless presence, was already effortlessly there. It sees without possessing. It allows, honors, connects, and dances with life as it is. It appreciates, but does not grasp experiences or things, like the, like the sky. So it gives, it allows, without judgment. If there's a horrible sound now, or a wonderful sound, the mirror like mine does not care. It allows the horrible sound and it allows the beautiful sound. One, one pointer to recognizing awareness is this Cohen-like question which you can bring into your meditation practice. Uh, so Cohen, Cohen is a Japanese, uh, from Zen Buddhism. A practice, it's a question which the conceptual mind can't grasp. It's like a question which is being posed to you by the master and it is supposed to quieten the conceptual mind because the conceptual mind at one point needs to give up and then there's a gap. So similar, this question, which is like a cone, is what is aware? What is experiencing this? What is knowing this? So, in our meditation after the break, I will ask these questions. Yeah? So, there is a sound, for example, and then 
we pose this question or we allow this question to arise, what is hearing this? What is knowing this? What is experiencing this? And then we turn around. You know? So usually we are looking at what we're hearing, what we're feeling, what we're thinking. That's where our attention goes. So now, through this question, we, we kind of we turn around. So what, what is hearing? What is seeing? What is knowing this? So we turn around and we look and we hear and we feel into that which is feeling, hearing, uh, thinking this. There must be something. So what is it? It's almost like rolling your eyes backwards and looking into that which is looking. So now this is not a question uh, which is supposed to trigger some philosophical or psychological thinking. It's really a question of looking, which is inviting you to look. And then you look again. And then you look again. So it's not that we are expecting this. So we ask the question and then suddenly there is this transparent, timeless, boundaryless awareness. It's like short moments, you know, short moments of ah, yeah, on the okay, ah, ah, yeah, oh, yeah. So it's like glimpses. So in this, when we do it as a formal practice, it's not that we ask this question once and then we kind of rest in boundless, mm -hmm. open, uh, peaceful awareness. We, we ask that question again and again. What is aware? And then there's a, a sense wondering, uh, maybe a moment kind of a confusion, yeah, what is aware, what knows this. And then we bring this question into our daily life. So if there's some disturbance, there's a trigger, there's a reactive state, we ask, what is aware of this? <laughs> 